Hello and welcome to the Safe Travels Podcast. I'm your host, Damien. This show is about finding expert advice so that you can enjoy worry-free travels. Today we are talking about road schooling. It's a very timely topic right now because with COVID-19, there's a lot of uncertainty about school in the fall. Some people may be looking at homeschooling. Some people may be forced into homeschooling. And yet others may decide to just hit the road and do a little bit of traveling and take care of school on the road. It's a pretty overwhelming topic. It's a big topic. It's actually quite hard to figure out where to start. So we have a great guest today. I'm speaking with Caroline Makepeace from whytravelblog.com. She and her husband and her two daughters have been traveling for years and road schooling for pretty much their entire life. She is also a former teacher, so she has a professional background in this. And she has a ton of great information. She has tips for picking a style of learning, which is a good starting point. And then some ideas for finding a curriculum, a lot of great resources, some advice about the social aspect of homeschooling or road schooling, which is an important one and a lot more. Show notes will be available. You can go to our Twitter feed at Safe Travels FM for links to that. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Caroline Makepeace about road schooling. Caroline, thank you very much for joining today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Damien. Would you mind introducing yourself to the audience so they can understand who you are and what you do in your area of expertise? Sure. Well, I am a global traveler. I've been traveling the world for 22 years. I left straight after graduating from university as an elementary school teacher. And that was really handy for me because it enabled me to teach in five countries. And when I got older, I hit my 30s. My opportunity for getting working holiday visas pretty much dried up and I was tired of teaching by this stage and so uh, my husband and I started looking for something that we could do ourselves and so eventually we fell into travel blogging and so since 2010 we have run a family travel blog which focuses on family travel and road trips. We road tripped around Australia in depth for 18 months and we recently received a green card because of that travel blog. So for the past three years we have been traveling extensively throughout the US. We do have two children aged 12 and 8 and I have homeschooled them pretty much their entire life. My oldest daughter went to school for about a year and a half in total and I am a previous teacher so that's really helped with homeschooling although I have learned so much more just from teaching my own kids. Well that's what we're talking about today is homeschooling so you did mention you have a teaching degree is that right? That's correct. That's great. Well it's a big topic, road schooling or homeschooling. It's in the news a lot today and people are talking about it a lot because of coronavirus. There's a lot of talk of schools being shut down. Certainly in the spring, everyone got a little taste for some homeschooling. So it's a big topic, but to start off with, is there a way you can describe it, kind of an overall strategy, just in a sentence or two to give the listener an understanding of your overall goal with homeschooling or your strategy? My overall strategy is always evolving. So I think it's really important for people to understand there is no one size fits all. And it really depends on what your goals are, your life circumstances and what you want to achieve. So for us, it's more being this well-rounded, holistic experience to help our children become independent learners, passionate global citizens, and find a way to pursue their own interests and do something positive with that for the world. So how do you handle a curriculum? What guides you through what they're learning? Well, I think... I mean, it can be very overwhelming. So I think for people wishing to do this, I think it comes to trying to simplify everything and first of all, come to a very clear understanding of what it is you hope to achieve from this. Why are you doing it? And everyone has a particular reason for doing it. For us, it was, it suited the lifestyle that we wanted to have. We wanted to travel the world and and explore with our children and, and put family first. 
Other people may be choosing homeschooling because they're unhappy with the system. It may be for religious reasons. There are many, many reasons. So if you get very clear on that, that helps you then be able to select the right curriculum. It depends on your lifestyle. For us, we were traveling a lot. For that reason, we started homeschooling doing distance education, which is pretty much, um, that was in Australia, it's pretty much online school. And we found that very overwhelming. There was a lot of work, a lot of irrelevant work that we had to do, and that didn't fit our lifestyle. So again, we had to evolve out of that. So I think that's really the first thing is to get very clear how you want this to look like. And then you can think about based on that, how your day will be structured, how much workload you want to take on. And then that will further guide your decision whether you want to do an online school or you want to take care of the homeschooling yourself. Or perhaps then you decide you want to do more of a world schooling or unschooling approach where you just kind of take a step back and and let the kids guide their complete education. So whatever that style is that suits you, you can find curriculum and resources then that match that. I see. So it's more, it's figuring out what level of schooling you want to tackle, what level of education you want to tackle, and then find the resources that help support that. That's right. And if you don't, I don't think if you, if you go into researching or, or figuring this out without that clear idea, you will get very, very overwhelmed because there are so many different styles and, and different methods and different resources, and it will be far too overwhelming for you. So it's better to really get clear on that first, and then you'll know what to research and look for. Right. You mentioned you started out with a certain homeschooling, I think it was an online school. You found that there were some irrelevant parts to it, and it's very complicated, very tedious. Is that because they were taking regular in-person learning and they just tried to put that online? Is that how you would describe that? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, So distance education in Australia began because of the children who were out on cattle ranches and miles and miles from any town. And so they would, we used to be called school of the air. So they would have a teacher, they'd be enrolled in school and the teacher would teach them over the air and send lessons. So this was the same. My children were enrolled in a school. They had a teacher who would send them units of work and they had two weeks to complete the work and then we had to send it back and so it was very rigid there was a lot of workload I remember when it really struck with me we were had to do my my daughter was in kindergarten I think at the time and we had to do a unit of work on car safety and wearing seat belts now we were road tripping around the country full time So my daughters didn't need to do a unit of work on this. She was getting in the car every day and this was her lifestyle. She knew how to put a seatbelt on. And that's when it really dawned on me that so much of what we were being forced to do with them was pointless because they were learning it from their lifestyle and traveling and being on the road. And so I knew then that this was not going to work and it had to change. So if you were to divide the different styles, would you say it's maybe a few different levels, maybe a very simple essentials only style of education, and then maybe something in the middle, and then people that might be trying to really recreate the at-school experience at home? Would it kind of fall into a few different areas like that? Yes, I think so. And how we then evolved out of that distance learning. And and if someone is doing this from home and they're not traveling, then it could be a, a style that will work, especially a parent who doesn't want to be so hands-on, then having that more formal approach can be very, very useful and a lot of less work. But we then evolved into 
more of a road schooling approach with some structure. So I would focus on the core essentials. So reading skills, math, writing, and basically that's what we would do. I would only have to spend one to two hours a day. I mean, children can learn very quickly when it's just one-on-one instruction. And then we would let our travel experiences and life experiences take care of the rest. So as we were traveling, we would seek out science experiences or social studies and and creative arts, etc., and just make sure that they were tackling that and, and getting those important skills through life experiences. Yeah, I remember in one of our, our back and forth emails that you sent, you had that line, you focused on math and reading and some of the really core things and let the travel experience take care of the rest and kind of fill in some of those gaps. Yeah, that's right. And it's, I mean, I was a previous school teacher. So I had many, I had a lot of experience understanding the system and what was wrong with it, but I was also connected to that system. So there was a lot that I kind of felt I still needed to do as a teacher. And so it took some time for me to de-school myself from that. And it was through the travel experiences. When I started to see the less involved I got, the more my children started to thrive and the more they started to take care of their own learning and education. And I was really surprised. I started this kind of letting go movement when my youngest daughter was learning to read. And so my eldest daughter picked it up really fast because she learned to read when she was in school and she had that one-on-one instruction. But my youngest, it wasn't as quickly because I wasn't as involved and that was really hard for me to do. All of a sudden she just started reading and I was like, wow, how did she do that without specific one-on-one instruction from me? So it really opened my eyes just to how the ability that children have to learn for themselves and how they can do something miraculous like teach themselves to read without much help from anybody else. Well, that's an interesting example, not to get too specific, but with something like reading, it is a classic thing. You need to teach children how to read. It's a very specific goal. How would you describe her figuring that out for herself? Yeah, it's kind of a mystery, but it was just a lot of exposing children to language, which every parent's doing from when their children are born, and just a lot of reading to them, just conversations about reading, a lot of listening, and just giving them a a book. And it's hard for me to even explain how they did it. But there was one program that I did use for her, and it's called Reading Eggs. And it is used by a lot of the schools in Australia. It is an Australian program, although it's becoming more popular in the US. And so she would just jump on to that. And that was very useful as well in helping her a little bit more specific instruction. And there are a lot of games and songs and it's a very, very valuable program. And it's the one program I'll recommend to anyone looking to start the homeschool journey, especially when they have younger kids. And they also have a a math program alongside called Math Seeds. And that's very, very handy. I mean, and I did it with my daughter. You could literally give them that program, the younger kids, and they'll learn to read and and become very efficient with their math skills as well. Mm. So with core essentials like that, with math and, and reading and things like that, how do you make sure that you're staying on track? How do you make sure that you're meeting, I guess you could say, certain benchmarks with education? Yeah, the best thing for someone to do would be to look at their state education board They'll all have websites and they'll have the curriculum 
and objectives. They may call them outcomes here. I get the language from different countries confused. But on that website, you'll be able to get your hands on the specific learning outcomes or objectives for each grade level. And so then basically you can just look at what they are and know that by the end of the year, you'll want your child to be making progress or proficient in that. And then you can design and create certain lessons that will help them work on those objectives. So you mentioned state regulations a little bit. How does that work with homeschooling? How do you make sure that you're meeting any sort of requirements that they have? Yeah, it's really important that you do research that because every state is very different. When we were in Australia, for example, we were looking at homeschooling. And this is one of the reasons we did the distance education Because after doing some research, we discovered if we were going to do homeschooling, we actually had to have a home address and someone from the Board of Education would actually come around to our house and check in on us. So that was not going to work when we were traveling full time. So every state, especially in the US, is very, very different. So there is a website, it's HSLDA. They're a legal body and so they help homeschooling parents make sure that they're staying by the laws and regulations and they will list out each state and what is required of you. For example, in North Carolina, for homeschooling, it's really uh, quite easy. We just register our children as homeschoolers and our only condition for doing it is to take a attendance record and make sure that our children are given an end of grade test, standardized test each year. And we just have to keep the results. So we don't have to keep any kind of lessons or progress or anything like that or work samples. Some states may require you to do that. And there are different regulations regarding how long. So I think for in North Carolina, you couldn't leave the state for, I think, three months at a time if you were homeschooling. So there's specific conditions like that as well. And I know that Florida, I think Florida and perhaps Texas are much more relaxed with their conditions. So I think a lot of people who unschool, they can register their child as an unschooler in Florida. So a lot of families may then set up a domicile in Florida so that they can do it that way. Can you describe that really quick, unschool? I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that completely. Unschooling is really when there is no formal education whatsoever. And that's when it's basically the child just learning from life and and following their own passions and and pursuing that. It's purely child-centered and directed learning. And then just to jump back a little bit further as well, I think you mentioned testing. So Mm -hmm. with the state regulations, so for example, in your situation, you do do some testing for the children? Yes. So not this year because of what's happening with COVID, no one's required to do any standardized testing, but basically just at the end of, well, it depends on how you run your own school year, but say around July, August, I just administer myself a a formal standardized testing. Now, there are several that you can do, and this is important to research this as well, to figure out which ones in your state are recognized, I guess, certified, the ones that you can actually do. So for me, I do the Iowa standardized test. So I just register for that online. They send me the testing materials. I administer it. I send it back. They grade it and then send me the results. Let me ask you a little bit about schedule. 
so I'm thinking about a general schedule that a, a traditional school might have. Can you walk us through a typical day of what you do with your system at home? Yes. So scheduling for us was very, very flexible. It had to be because we were traveling so much and so every day was different. We may have had a day when we were up at sunrise out exploring to sunset. So we had to be really flexible with that. We did not do a traditional school week. So we didn't do Monday to Friday, nine to five, nor a traditional school year. It was purely based upon what's happening with our travel. And so if we had, you know, three days of busy exploration and then two days of doing nothing, then the kids would spend maybe four or five hours a day catching up on their schoolwork. If we have like a, a week of not doing anything, then we would have more of a regular kind of structural routine. And doing that, I think it's best to have the children doing the core essential work in the beginning of the morning, before, in the beginning of the day, sorry, before they get tired, before too many distractions come along, because part of being successful with homeschooling is really having good management. And it can be difficult with your own child and it can be quite a battle to get them to work. So if you just have some kind of routine that, okay, this is what we do first thing in the morning. And then once that's done, then you can have your free time and your play. So that helps act as an incentive to get their, get their work done without as much fighting. That's right. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think it's really important to do that. And I think it's easy when you have when you have the freedom to choose how your own day will look. It's easy to then say, "Oh, well, we'll just sleep in and we'll do this and we'll do that and we'll just fit school in somewhere along the way." What I found is it rarely happens that way because the more distractions you invite into your life throughout the day, the much harder it is to gain control back and actually have the kids then go and sit down and focus. A lot of people, when they think about homeschool, they get concerned about social life aspects with kids. How do you address that with your children? Yeah, I think this is for myself personally, our biggest challenge and the thing that I do worry about the most. However, when I think about school and the experiences I had as a student and teacher myself, sometimes I also think school is not the best option for socialization because there's a lot of problems there. At the moment, we're not traveling. We've stopped traveling full time. And so we're renting a home and we've actually enrolled our girls in online schooling now just because our lifestyles evolved and changed once again. So it was really important for us to get out into the community and find those social interactions and experiences. Now, COVID has gone and messed all of that up for us. So it's a very big challenge we're facing at the moment. But for any parents wanting to do this, you will find in your community many homeschooling groups. I belong to several just on Facebook for the, for the Raleigh area. And you can find groups for unschoolers if you are homeschooling for a religious purpose, you'll find groups of people in your community that are have that particular reason as well. And they'll often have meetups. They will often come together to teach classes. So if someone is really great at art, they may run an art class for several of the children in the neighborhood or in the group. So they're very, very valuable. So you can search for them on Google. Typically, you'll find homeschooling groups within your own area. And for us, 
we found it a lot easier when we were traveling to have those social experiences. When we were traveling around the US, we met another family who we really connected with, sorry, around Australia. And so we traveled with another family who had children, our children ages for about one month. And then we met another family and traveled with them for six months. And then in the US, we met two families and there were like 10 kids in all, I think all similar ages. And we traveled with them for four months. So our children actually had a lot of socialization. And I think if you choose wisely when you travel, if you're camping, if you're staying in RVs, you tend to be able to find those social experiences uh, far easier. Yeah, I would imagine traveling with people is such a unique thing. You spend so much time together and you have unique experiences together. So I'm sure that some of those friendships that your kids have will probably stay even though they're at a distance. Yeah, that's correct. And the, the family that we traveled with here in the US, my youngest daughter phones their youngest daughter, they were the same age. She phones them over Facebook Messenger for Kids and Skype almost every day. So they're mm. talking every day and they're, you know, it's it's so easy for kids to be able to do it now with technology. And you mentioned the the social aspect is one of the biggest challenges or maybe the biggest. Are there other challenges you can describe that you've had to overcome with this process? Oh, I think it's teaching your own children. You know, I had 15 years experience as a teacher around in five different countries. I, I taught, I had some very challenging situations in which I taught in, and I don't think any have been as challenging as teaching your own kids. They're just, they just know what buttons to push. They know no matter what, you're going to love them no matter what. And so it's very challenging to step into that role of being a teacher, which is very different to being a parent. And so managing their day, managing their behavior, getting them to see the value in what you're asking them to do is a great challenge. And so for me, I found, and I have a very extensive post I wrote about this when COVID hit, all of a sudden parents were really concerned because they're having to take on schooling with their kids and what could they do about it. So I wrote a post offering tips about helping your children become independent learners and manage themselves. This is not something that will happen overnight. It's something to work on consistently and it's very challenging to begin with, but you will start seeing results if you persist with it. And it's setting very clear guidelines for them. My eldest daughter now, I barely have to say anything to her. She's very good at managing her own schedule, her own time, and and such a great independent learner. So I think that's the greatest challenge. And if you consistently work on developing those skills in children, you will see amazing results and it'll be far less pressure on you. And then there won't be that stress between you and your child, this kind of teacher-student stress, which you don't really want to be present in your relationship with them. I think that'll be very helpful for people that might be getting into this or again they have their spring experience and they probably had some bumps in the road to hear someone that not only has teaching experience but then years of homeschooling to still say that it is a challenge it's a big challenge for you so i think that'll be helpful for people to hear what did you wish that you knew when you first started doing all of this when you first started homeschooling or road schooling i think to be less rigid i think as i mentioned before i was kind of still attached to this idea of the school system and and having structure and making sure the children are checking off all of these boxes and homeschooling doesn't work that way. 
and if you if you try and do it that way it, it can be very 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 stressful so I think just letting go a lot faster than what I did when I went more to that relaxed road schooling unschooling approach where it was just one to two hours a day we focused more on life and learning through real life first-hand experiences and then just doing the core essentials. Are there any common mistakes that you see homeschoolers make that you can help them avoid? I think try as I kind of similar to what I just mentioned, just trying to control too much, trying to to just do it all and and fretting too much. Especially if you're new at it, you're going to feel very overwhelmed and you're going to think that you have to check off so many boxes. But homeschooling is is very, very different to traditional schooling. So I do think you need to give yourself some time to adapt to it and give yourself time to find a style that works well with you. And don't be too rigid. Don't be too afraid to figure out something's not working and to try something different. And if you haven't mentioned them already, are there any myths or misconceptions about homeschooling that you can help dispel? That it's not the ideal. I think people choose homeschooling because they think it's going to be the answer to something that's not currently working. And so a lot of people will jump into it thinking they've found the solution or or the ideal lifestyle. And then a few months in, they're like, whoa, this is not what it was meant to be like. And I'm not sure I can handle this. So I think being aware going in that it's not necessarily the ideal. It's just another option. It's important that you do, as I mentioned, take the time to figure out how that option is going to look for your family and the best way to approach it. That's interesting. So you're saying people might think that it's a sort of a magic button that will fix some sort of other issues that they're having with education and they're not finding that to be true? That's right, because nothing's perfect. And so like a lot of people will jump into it, think it's the magic button and then realize, oh, here's a new set of problems I hadn't considered before. So for us, it was the challenge of socialization. That's what we're experiencing now. And also the challenge of realizing I've stepped into a role here as a teacher of my children who are now my students. And that's added a whole lot of pressure to our relationship that wouldn't have been there before. I wanted to make sure that we tackled any sort of resources that you use. I know there are a lot out there. It sounds like, as you mentioned before, there's a decision to make early on. What style do you want to do? And then you go and find resources that help support that style. Can you share some of your favorite resource that you use for your style? Yes. And I do have a a link to a blog post where I've shared some on my site as well, which I'll give to you. I, I think Bloom's Taxonomy is one of the best resources for parents, particularly if you're going to do a more of a relaxed approach and kind of manage and take care of most things yourself. Bloom's Taxonomy is a way to help you very simply develop the higher order thinking skills in your children. And this is a resource that teachers are taught at university and college and what we use to create lessons in our own classrooms. 
So getting an understanding of that is really going to help children learn how to solve problems, think for themselves, you know, be able to find connections and relevance to their own life and apply it to different situations. So that's very, very handy. K12.com, that's a free online public school with curriculum. So if someone wants more of that let someone else take care of things. That's a good approach. However, they are very rigid in the way that they still operate like a traditional school. So you have to go Monday to Friday, uh, nine to three, and uh, you have to be very accountable for that. So to be aware of that. Time for Learning is a popular resource that people use for curriculum. I haven't used it myself, but I know that it is popular. Khan Academy is a really great resource and that's brilliant for teaching specific topics and practice lessons and they'll they will have like instructional videos that's a really valuable resource that I use all the time with my my children and as again I mentioned reading eggs and math seeds they're, they're really really great that's great that's a lot of great resources any final key tips that you'd like to share with people for success in this yes I think start small and, and slowly so that you can avoid overwhelm, allow for adjustment, very flexible so you can change things as you start to see how it's working and what's not working. I think in the very beginning, worry less about what you're actually teaching and more about how you are structuring your day, how you're managing your children, their routine, their behavior, and get some very strong foundational stuff in regards to that. Again, this idea of training your children to be their own best ally and an independent learner. I cannot emphasize that enough. And just start with core subjects and then just add on to that. As you see, it it needs to be added on and really allow for a lot of free creative play for your child during the day. So give them time where they're just playing, give them time when they're pursuing their own passions and interests. And you'll be amazed at the beautiful creative learners they become and how great their problem solving skills are and their decision making skills. Caroline, this is a lot of great advice you've shared today and great resources. I appreciate it. Where can people find you online? Where should we send them? Sure, you can find our, our blog is whytravelblog.com. That's the letter Y. And then you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, all of the social channels at whytravelblog. And that's the letter Y. That's great. Caroline, thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you, Damien. It's been great chatting with you. I really hope you have enjoyed this talk with Caroline. If you are pondering home or road schooling, you now have a bit more information to start with. I think she had a lot of great tips and resources. Again, there will be show notes with links to all of our resources. I do have the usual favor to ask. I would love it if you can help get the word out about the show. Share it with your friends. Email somebody in your life with a link to the show. I would really appreciate it. You can also leave ratings and reviews, which is a big help. If you leave a comment, I'll definitely reply. I appreciate it very much. Thanks again. Safe travels.